When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric here to let you know that my podcast, Next Question with me, Katie Couric, is back for its second season. I'll be diving into some big issues like this country's devastating maternal mortality rate, the rise of astrology, and a little thing called the presidential election. Listen to Next Question. It comes out every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. Caroline, I learned a new word Mm -hmm. today while prepping for this podcast. It's lethargy. Oh, yeah? Is that like lazy menarchy? (laughs) A really slow period. (laughs) Slow first period. Uh, No, although you are right to associate it with monarchy, which mm. is the term for uh, the first menstrual period. And lethargy is the term for the initial breast development. Oh. Now, when you could drop lethargy into casual conversation, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm still glad to have a new word. Up in Monoggin. And the reason why lethargy came up in uh, the research today was because we're talking about asymmetrical boobs. It's normal. It's totally normal. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way for any person with boobs who is listening, unless you paid for them, in which case if they are asymmetrical, I don't know, you might want your money back, but... Uh, asymmetrical boobs are totally normal. Yeah. Breasts, boobs, breasts. Exactly. Now, there are certain circumstances where one might be radically different than the other, in which case that could be completely different. But if we're talking about just average, normal, run-of-the-mill breast development, they're usually different sizes. And it might be, it might be obvious. It might be just like kind of like one might be a little bit smaller that you might not notice that much, but it's, don't worry, you're, you're normal. Yeah, and it has to do with the fact that breasts are a secondary sex trait or a physical characteristic that makes its grand debut during puberty. So, you know, guys all of a sudden sprout all this hair, the pubic hair, chest hair, facial hair, their testicles enlarge, their voice gets deeper. Girls, meanwhile, we get uh, monarchy and lethargy, <laughs> the, two, <laughs> the two twins, uh, boobs in a period. And other things, of course, such as pubic hair. But with this sudden influx of uh, hormones, specifically estrogen, when we're talking about uh, breast development, things can get a little uneven when it comes to developing these secondary sex traits. Yeah, and a lot of this uh, does have to do with hormone levels. 
Uh, we have menstruation. And, and this is not just changing, like, you know, one breast being slightly different. This is kind of overall breast changes in general. During menstruation, uh, they can get fuller and more tender. I'm sure that's very common. I've experienced that, you know, when your boobs just hurt. Mm-hmm. Bad day. Or when they're huge out of nowhere. Yeah. That's First, okay. But the boobs hurting thing? That's not as good. If you're small busted, sometimes <laughs> you'll take it. Sometimes that's exciting. For, I think we're both blushing for a week. Um, then there's during pregnancy and nursing. Obviously, they get significantly larger. Menopause, they may even become lumpy, which is something I can look forward to, I guess. And if you're taking contraceptives and uh, or gaining and losing weight, uh, that also causes a lot of changes. But it's really during that whole puberty thing when your breasts begin to develop. And one might just, you know, like pop out sooner than the other, which is unfortunate. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it happens. And the simplest explanation for why it happens is that the amount of estrogen that the ovaries secrete and then are directed to uh, that breast tissue and specifically to the milk ducts inside of our breasts. Uh, The estrogen isn't delivered evenly. It's not like the ovaries deliver like one shot of estrogen to the left and one shot to the right. Uh, Sometimes one breast gets a little bit more than the other. And so you have some uneven growth. And one thing I also didn't know about breast development, I learned so many things about my boobs today that I'm <laughs> going to try to drop into casual conversation. So that's going to be awkward this weekend. Um, technically, doctors don't consider breasts fully mature until after childbirth and lactation. So basically, they've done everything they could possibly do in terms of, uh, you know, becoming gorged with milk and the milk exiting with lactation and then it the swelling going back down after you wean a baby. And then it's time for really supportive bras. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you, in a doctor's eyes, for instance, if you ne- just never have a kid, do you then have never fully Immature ma- boobs. Your <laughs> boobs are just immature. Yeah. God, grow up and get a job. You have really sarcastic <laughs> boobs. Always giving you side glances. <laughs> Well, yeah, speaking of nursing, um, it's also common for maybe one breast, you know, if it's the larger breast, for instance, to also produce more milk. Um, as WebMD and Pregnancy.org point out, each breast is independent. They're, they're neighboring countries, but they are independent. So breastfeeding might not even have the same effect on each side. So what happens? You get breast engorgement, which is caused by congested blood vessels while you're nursing. But once that resolves, once your your breast, the swelling reduces in your breast, one might be slightly misshapen, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Again, I'm sorry. Um, one may stay larger or droop or flatten more. And, you know, if one ends up producing more milk than the other, then you will have one bigger breast than the other. Mm-hmm. But again, hey. Normal. Normal. Boobs, not, not necessarily the same size. Uh, but there are, as you mentioned earlier, some... Uh, conditions in which there is, it is more of an abnormality. Um, for instance, there's something called Poland's syndrome, which is a congenital defect, meaning you're, you're born with it. And it's marked by the absence of the pectoralis, which is our big chest muscle on one side of the body and webbing of the fingers on the hand of the same size. Um, and it was named, fun fact, for the 19th century British surgeon, Alfred Poland. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the country. No. Nothing to do. Um, there's also, also a juvenile hypertrophy, which is one breast growing significantly larger 
than the other. And they point out that uh, there are some things that work and some things that don't. If you have uh, uneven breast size, things that don't work, exercises, supplements, or diets. Yeah, and uh, in the case of, and we're talking about something that does work in order to to fix this, I think we're speaking specifically towards something like juvenile hypertrophy because we're not talking about just some uh, run-of-the-mill asymmetry. One's kind of, uh, you know, a B almost, and one's a fuller B, or whatever your letter is. Um, this is where there is significant difference in size. Uh, there's actually a term for that word. There it is. And there's actually a specific term. I'm really into specific boob terms mm-hmm. today. Um, but when one breast is much larger than the other, because of that hypertrophy, it's called gigantomastia. Hmm. That sounds unfortunate. Okay. So a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, (laughs) then I, I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh my God, we've all been there. Pantene's rosewater collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rosewater because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally, and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them, so that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. Okay, the new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman have never been more hilarious as America's favorite moms turned gangsters, Beth, Ruby, and Annie. Already this season, there have been some big twists and breathtaking surprises. The fans love it, and the critics do, too. Variety calls good girls addictive and audacious. Entertainment Weekly says it's just what you need, and Rotten Tomatoes certifies good girls 100% fresh. So, if you've missed any of the new season, get yourself online and stream it now. And Sundays on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises. So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone. The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime. Yeah, so in that kind of case, you might need something like a plastic surgery, um, a special insert in a bra. And um, for for some women who have this, uh, there is a feeling of having having a deformity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, Lori Cassis, uh, Dr. Dr. Cassis over on WebMD. She's an associate professor of surgery at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago. Um, she says, yeah, people really feel like they don't have a normal body part. And this whole thing becomes a body image issue, not necessarily just a self-esteem issue. People want to look normal. They want to look good in clothes, which, I mean, of course. And so if you feel like something on you is radically different than how it's supposed to be, then, then you're very uh, 
maybe insecure. Yeah, and that can absolutely, that psychological aspect can absolutely extend to cases um, of not dealing specifically with juvenile hypertrophy, but just um, breast asymmetry, especially when your breasts are developing. If you're younger, uh, breasts have become so sexualized, and we have um, these, I think, idealized images now of what breasts should look like, these two perfect, perky things, and if they don't look perfect or like the way we think they should, then maybe we think that there's something wrong with us, and we might think that we will be negatively judged if we become intimate with someone uh, for for not being completely symmetrical. Right, and there's also, uh, depression was also cited in a study in the Israel Medical Association Journal. They looked at the causes and characteristics of breast asymmetry in adolescence with normal endocrine profiles and sexual development. So they're trying to find out, okay, what causes these uh, breast size issues in young girls? They looked at 11 patients. It was a small study. But they found that severe breast asymmetry may be due to congenital factors, diseases involving the breast tissue, or to the effects of medical treatment, and it may have severe adverse psychological and social implications. And so they say that depression is often an accompanying symptom for young girls who have severe breast asymmetry. Right, but a lot of times um, doctors will reassure younger girls that any kind of asymmetry will tend to even out by the age of 20, but it's still normal to not have the exact same left and right breast. Yeah. It's actually so normal that Fruit of the Loom and Amazon teamed up for the Pick Your Perfect Pair Bra. Um, you can pick different cup sizes for each side. So I, that's neat. Yeah, that's a great idea. And it, they come in cute. They're like all polka dots and multicolors and stuff. So you could have like a polka dotted boob and then a striped boob. Right. So whatever you're feeling like that day. Whatever man. your B feels like and whatever your almost B feels like. <laughs> Mix and match. But there is one more alarming connection with asymmetry in breasts that has come up uh, starting really in March of 2006 with a study that was published in the journal Breast Cancer Research. And it's an association between breast asymmetry and developing breast cancer. But before we go any further, don't worry. This doesn't mean if you have uneven breasts, you are necessarily bound to develop breast cancer, but some studies have uncovered a link. Yeah, the researchers went into the study thinking that a larger difference in breast size could be an independent risk factor for developing breast cancer because they found that women who later developed breast cancer had more asymmetry than those who didn't develop it. But... At the end of it all, you know, kind of lowering the alarm, asymmetry is just one of many traits that influence breast cancer risk because there's all of these risks, you know, genetic, environmental, whatever, whatever, that this is just one of the many possibilities. Yeah, I mean, you have things like, obviously, a family history of breast cancer, a lower age at menarche, later menopause, later first pregnancies. Um, and the reason why these University of Liverpool researchers were looking at breast symmetry to begin with, this was, uh, they were looking at it among 252 women in one group and then mammograms from 252 women in a control group. And they were looking at breast size because of um, the influence of estrogen 
on breast cancer development. So they are concerned that because um, asymmetry might indicate sort of a, a lower tolerance for disruptive hormones like that rush of estrogen that will hit at puberty and stimulate breast development, they think that perhaps there might be some kind of connection there. But, again, it's one factor among many when it comes to developing breast cancer. Right. And there was a different study. Uh, U.S. genetics company 23andMe examined the link, which is adorable, 23andMe. It just sounds like it's like a sitcom from the 80s or something. But anyway, I'm your friendly genome. <laughs> but, yeah, so this genetics company examined the link between breast size and cancer. And Britain's National Health Service took a look at this study and basically said that it op- oversimplified all the different factors because breast cancer is such a complex condition. Yeah, because you'll see there was a headline in the Daily Mail reporting on this study that said, I don't, and now I'm paraphrasing this headline, but it was something along the lines of uh, bigger bra size, bigger risk of breast cancer. Yeah, no sensationalism there. Right? Yeah, to which every, <laughs> so many women probably clutched their boobs in horror. Um, but, but yeah, when it comes to these, these ex- explorations of breast cancer, breast size, and symmetry versus asymmetry, um, it is important to look beyond just the headlines that you might see. But to close things out, since we're talking about um, breast asymmetry, why why do we care so much about a little bit of unevenness? Like well, why why worry about it in the first place? Well, we're probably worried what we look like naked, honestly, well, or in the mirror. That could be. It could be. It would be nice, though, if that were not the case, if we just never worried what we looked like naked. Okay, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, then I, I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh, my God, we've all been there. Pantene's rosewater collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rosewater because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally, and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them. So that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Here's the thing. Saving money with GEICO is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes. And he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Uh, well, I um, I think it has something to do with our innate attraction to symmetrical things. There's, uh, like, within uh, they, like our biology... Mm-hmm. We are drawn to symmetry, are we not? Yeah, doesn't it? It's supposed to mean that you're healthier. 
Yeah. Or that you're Elizabeth Hurley. I don't know. She's very symmetrical face-wise. It, it signals being related to Elizabeth Hurley. <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, and your, your reproductive fitness. So you see all these studies that come up, come out saying that more symmetrical faces are rated as more attractive than non-symmetrical faces. Although that doesn't mean, uh, there was a blog that I was reading over at Science 2.0 and it was, it's called Rogue Neuron. And they were pointing out that just because something might be more attractive doesn't necessarily make it more sexually attractive. Sometimes it's more of the difference, a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to say a flaw, um, a unique something or other. Distinguishing. Je ne sais quoi. Yes, je ne sais quoi. That, uh, Related that, to your boobs. <laughs> yes. That, well, I'm talking more about faces. Oh, okay. Hopefully Whatever. someone's not staring <laughs> so closely at my boobs that they can see the je ne sais quoi <laughs> of my left and my right. Cover up that je ne sais quoi, Kristen. <laughs> I'm always wearing sheer tops. So speaking of symmetry and attractiveness, uh, there are two 1995 studies. This is a while ago, but it's just funny that apparently 1995 was the year of symmetry. This uh, UT Austin study found that uh, people were more attracted to figures with low waist-to-hip ratios who were also uh, very symmetrical in the boob region. Oh, man. Come on, UT Austin. We've just, we've just spent how long? Like 15 minutes or something calming people's nerves <laughs> about asymmetrical breasts. I don't know. Maybe things have changed since grunge went out. <laughs> Perhaps. But yeah, so men of the grunge era uh, really actually used both uh, waist-to-hip ratios and breast asymmetry in judging attractiveness and being willing to develop uh, romantic relationships. Now, I did not... You, you found this study. Yeah. And I have a feeling, though, that because I've seen other studies that are on facial symmetry versus asymmetry... And they show participants all these computer-generated images of something like a really symmetrical face and then an asymmetrical face, which would not exist (laughs) in nature, like... Like very, it's it's show almost you the hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, it kind of feels sometimes like the researchers are sort of like breathing down yeah. participants next, being like, because you know, if you have like <laughs> one, I don't know, one boob that's three feet out from the other one. I am taking, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take a stand on this study and say, you know what, maybe the symmetry or asymmetry was exaggerated. Could be in those images, absolutely. But so this shows that men of this very specific study, Kristen, it's true. Men in Austin, Texas, of the grunge era, found women who were symmetrical more attractive than women who were ridiculously asymmetrical. There we go. Okay, <laughs> I'd buy those results. Okay. But when it comes to day to day and our breasts, when we do, when we are naked, you know, because this does come down a lot to to being naked. There were a lot of. Um, advice letters that I ran across while we were looking for information on this from younger girls in particular who were concerned about what what a partner might think about some asymmetry, uh, to which I say to you and all, it is A-OK and it is normal. And if one breast being slightly smaller or bigger, however way you look at it, glass half full <laughs> or glass half empty, uh, is a deal breaker, then kick him to the curb anyway. Yeah. And then go buy a bra on Amazon mm-hmm. from Fruit of the Loom, or just don't wear one at all. I don't yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to tell you what to do with your bras. No. So that's why breasts are so often uneven. And if you have any stories you would like to share, 
about about asymmetry and breast or any advice if we have younger listeners out there if you're still concerned about this issue uh, we'd be more than happy to hear from you you can send us a letter momstuff at discovery.com is our email address and in the meantime I've got an email here from a summer short one of my favorite summer shorts that we did in fact on nude beaches and this is from Alicia and she she writes, I dated a guy whose family owned and lived at a nudist park at a lake in New Hampshire. We often referred to him as the naked Republican because his family was very conservative, very blue collar, and they had a nudist park complete with church on Sunday morning. It seems like it shouldn't be possible, but once there, it's easier to see that nothing is sexual. Uh, their family has gone very far to make sure that it is a family-friendly park, despite the fact that nobody wears clothes. There is a line between sexy and naked, and I have to say, they did it. The park was started when my ex's grandfather came home from World War II with some kind of infection that the doctor said would be best if not covered. So he bought a huge tract of land in New Hampshire that had a lake, and there the park started. There are boats, tennis courts, volleyball courts, and many cabins to stay in. You can't wear a bathing suit because that is sexy. Uh, you, ha- you can wear cover-ups or... As it still baffles me, you can wear a jacket and nothing else. Disrobing in public is a no-no, and you do not ever forget your towel. There is no alcohol on the premises, and it is a place where single people are selectively allowed. This isn't a meat market. Oh, man. Alicia, thanks so much for sending in that story. And here's one from Britt on our celiac disease episode. She says... Celiac runs in my family, and it's been an eye-opening experience. Sometimes it gets annoying to hear people think you're just following some fad diet when you're really advocating for your health. I was surprised that you left out some of the more random items and food that contain gluten. And this is an amazing list, I just want to tell you. Okay. Lip gloss. Envelope glue. Processed ham. Anything dusted with flowers, such as latex gloves, wine corks, even some pills. And finally, art supplies like paint and clay. She says, while not important to people just going on a diet, it is important for people with celiac to investigate the ingredients and keep talking to their doctors. And apparently avoiding processed ham. Stay away from the canned hams. (laughs) Thank you, Britt. When the holidays roll around soon, do not give canned hams to your gluten-free friends. Or, Or me. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. Or envelopes. Okay. I don't know. I guess they could use tape. Anyway, uh, so send us an email, momstuffatdiscovery.com, of course, is where you can send them. And you can always find us on Facebook. Like us over there if you would. And follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And you can even join us on Tumblr, stuffmomnevertoldyou.tumblr.com. And if you would like to get a little smarter this week, why don't you head to our website? It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. 
and it's sulfate, paraben, dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime. 